Hey, friends and fam, what's going on? It's John, and it's time for the J-Mart cast for Monday, August 29th. What's going on? How are ya? <laughs> oh, man, I hope you've had a great week. Mine's been, mine has been pretty cool. It's uh, Sunday right now I'm record, as I'm recording this, and I'm walking to the coffee shop again. I thought I'd give this another try, even though the audio wasn't that great last time. I've learned what I could be possibly doing it to making it better, so give it a try. It's just easier to talk while I'm walking, it seems like, because, uh, you know, you have something, a goal you can focus on, and I don't know, physically, so somehow the mind is uh, free to think about things. So yeah, just giving it a try. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, so my week was great. I got a chance to go to Southampton, which is a nice little beach town in Ontario, uh, off of on Lake Huron. And it was a good time. Spent a couple of nights there with my family. Got a lot of sun on the beach. We had good weather. Uh, great experience. I did skip a lot of uh, jujitsu this week, so uh, that hasn't been as great. So today's Sunday. Now I'm going to go to the open mat at noon and get my ass handed to me. So that'll be great. <laughs> uh, probably going to feel like death and huffing and puffing for so much air that I'll be just like feeling like the worst possible feeling. But hey, that's the uh, price of uh, skipping it for, for a whole week. <laughs> I'm trying to pause the recording every time there's a car driving by so that I can minimize that car sound, which was kind of annoying from last time. But uh, there's still the cicadas. That you can't do anything about. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, got to go to Southampton. Gonna go to jujitsu later. What I want to talk about this week, let's go to my Twitter. This is hilarious. Like um, last week, I was like just talking about this uh bank of canada twitter thread that they like put out there that made you like believe as if inflation was all in your head and if you thought it was going to persist high it would stay high but if you had thought that it would remain low it'd be fine it would just stay there it would not be like affected by actual real world like impact such as supply and demand but <laughs> Yeah, so they put out that insane statement out, and I was just making fun of that. And then, uh, like, literally a week later, they come out with another <laughs> hilarious thing, just basically gaslighting people. This is what they have to say. You asked us if we printed cash to finance the federal government. We didn't. Keep reading to learn how we supported the economy from the shock of the pandemic. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saved you. You thought we did the thing that caused everything to like be horrible now. No, 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 no. We actually saved you. You should be thanking us. Yeah, okay. Thanks, thanks Bank of Canada. Like, who the hell is responsible for their Twitter account? I swear to God. <laughs> so they say, the pandemic has been a crisis like no other. As a result, we took various measures like buying bonds to support and ensure a strong and stable economy <laughs> okay so we didn't print we didn't we didn't we didn't print money but we did buy bonds oh what are bonds oh it's just loans that the government takes so the government takes a loan and you bought it so you printed money oh okay thanks <laughs> but you saved the economy you kept it stable and strong thank you bank of canada they go on to say, we bought existing government bonds 
from banks on the open market. Oh, really? You bought them from... So, so okay, it wasn't the initial loan they took. Some other chump bought it first, and they're like, oh, this looks like it's going to tank. So they're selling it. And then you come around and save the day, and, and you buy it up. So it's, it's the same thing. You're just, <laughs> you're just explaining what, like, the details, the mechanism of what you did. But it's the same thing. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And then... They say, why, question mark. Well, this helped unblock frozen markets at the start of the pandemic. It let households, companies, and governments access funding when they really needed it. Oh, that's why. Is that why? Because it wasn't because nobody else would buy these bonds because they're actually worthless? Or it wasn't that these frozen markets of households and companies was as a result of like the shutdown that, that, that was the response to the pandemic. It wasn't actually the, the pandemic that led to those frozen funds. It was the response. It was the fact that everybody shut down and we decided to uh, decide who's essential and who's not. And then we had to divide the society even further based on who was vaccinated, who was not. not it was none of that. That's why we did it. Because nobody else was willing to buy this garbage bonds because they know it's worthless. There's no buyer. You're the buyer of last resort. That's why you did it. Uh, yeah, when they really needed it. No one needed your help. Buying bonds also pulled down interest rates across the economy. Which, yeah, sure, it sure did. It allowed for a lot of people to be able to take cheap debt and buy a bunch of houses. And now we'll, look what we got. We got a bunch of expensive houses that young people can't afford. Yeah, thanks, Bank of Canada. Thieves. This lowered the cost of borrowing to help Canadians get through the pandemic. Yeah, sure. Sure, thanks. I mean, maybe Canadians can take care of themselves. And we didn't need to shut down to force them to do that. We did not print cash. They even bolded not to pay for the bonds. <laughs> we bought the bonds with settlement balances, a kind of central bank reserve, not with banknote. What's the difference? Settlement balances don't permanently add to the money supply. Unlike cash, we can remove those reserves from the system, and you can see that we've been doing just that. Uh, and then they have a little chart here. They're showing like from uh, uh, before 2020 or early 2020, it shoots up like crazy from like zero <laughs> to the highest it goes to is $400 billion. And then from 400 billion, it's gone down to 200 billion dollars. The banknotes are going up. <laughs> the ones that like uh, they're saying this is different from, from below 100 billion dollars to above 100 billion dollars. And then on the top of that, there's another 200 billion of these settlement balances. <laughs> like, how is what you're showing me at all like supposed to make me feel any better? <laughs> I don't know who's responsible for running this Twitter account, but they are like, they should be fired. <laughs> uh, anyways, it like gives me something to sh shit on, I guess. So thanks for that Bank of Canada Twitter uh, manager, Twitter account manager. All right, I'm at the coffee shop. I'm going to go get my coffee, get recharged. I'll do the second half right after. All right, I'm back. 
I had my double espresso ready to continue the podcast. So did a little bit of reading while I was drinking my um, espresso. And there's this article I wanted to talk about. I just came across this on, uh, you find it on Twitter, of course, where some account was saying that, um, was spreading this around this, um, I guess, uh, journal article that talks about how the uh, face masks that people have been using throughout the pandemic, well, they've tested these for titanium dioxide, which is a carcinogen, and you know, according to this guy, the best or lowest contamination has more than five times the acceptable limit. So, you know, when I read that, of course, my initial reaction would be pretty consistent with what most people would think. Oh, like, this is awful. I can't believe we have to, you know, uh, expose so many people to a carcinogen. Like, how awful is that? And then, unlike most people, I decided to actually click on the link of the article where this guy was... um, you know, uh, presenting this journal, like the source of what he's talking about. And it's actually from Nature. And Nature has a subsection called Scientific Reports. Nature, like, is one of the most prestigious scientific journals, but they have a bunch of subsections. I guess they've been financially pretty uh, uh, successful, so they've branched off to have a a bunch of uh, sub-magazines, and one of them is called Scientific Reports. This was published in Scientific Reports on February... 15th of 2022 and the article is titanium dioxide particles frequently present in face masks intended for general use require regulatory control okay so from the title already you can see that the title of the article is not quite in line with what the person was uh sensationalizing right like the authors the title they chose is talking about how these masks need regulation whereas uh the sensationalizer on Twitter was talking about how these are well above the minimum limits of what's allowed. And so that's, you know, very bad. It's like, okay, well, let's see what the abstract says. Okay. Although titanium dioxide is a suspected human carcinogen when inhaled, fiber-grade titanium dioxide nanoparticles were demonstrated in synthetic textile fibers of face masks intended for general public. STEM EDX analysis, I don't know what that is, but their analysis on sections of a variety of single-use and reusable face masks visualized agglomerated near-spherical titanium dioxide particles in non-woven fabrics, polyester, polyamide, and bicomponent fibers. Median sizes of constituent particles range from 89 to 184 nanometers, implying an important fraction of nano-sized particles below 100 nanometers. Goes on to go give a bunch of little stats about what they talked about, but then more importantly, it says, the estimated titanium dioxide mass at the fiber surface ranged from 17 to 4,394 micrograms and systematically exceeded the acceptable exposure level of titanium dioxide by inhalation in brackets 3.6 micrograms determined based on a scenario where face masks are worn intensively. Okay, now here's the best part. Now then it goes on to say, no assumptions were made about the likelihood of the release of titanium dioxide particles itself, since direct measurement of release and inhalation uptake when face masks are worn could not be assessed. 
And then they go on to say the importance of wearing face masks against COVID-19 is unquestionable. I deeply question that, actually. So, you know, they don't know what they're talking about with regards to that. So <laughs> there you go. Not everyone can get it right all the time. Even so, these results urge in-depth research of nanotechnology application and textiles to avoid possible future consequences caused by a poorly regulated use and to implement regulatory standards, phasing out or limiting the amount of titanium dioxide particles following the safety by design principle. Yeah, so they're basically saying, like, there's potentially the possibility that there's a lot of these titanium dioxide particles that are there. And we don't know if they're coming off or not, because we didn't measure for that, but they're there. So there's a possibility that if they're falling off these textiles, then you might be inhaling them and it is a carcinogen. So we need good regulation to make sure that we implement the strategy of using these, this new technology in a way that doesn't cause harm. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar at all with regards to maybe, oh, I don't know, a new technology used for vaccines that aren't really vaccines? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that right now, but yeah, like what this says makes a lot of sense, but it's nowhere near as bad as what that original Twitter person was putting out there and now like initially I was like a little bit saddened and outraged that people had to uh, you know wear masks even though I don't think they work but and then I, they used that <laughs> emotion that I had to like hijack me to think that masks are even worse than they actually are and then when you read about it and you find out oh no it's that's not true at all they just manipulated my emotions to make me think and feel a certain way that's happening all the time with so many things so many things and then once I got there I was like oh, okay here we go now I bet if I go into the methods section I'm gonna find something even better than that so like when you hear something like this right like I was gonna talk about this article without even going into the uh, uh, details of it I'm glad I did because I learned so much but like when you hear some such bombastic claims like there's so much more uh, you know titanium dioxide than what is the minimum acceptable level your number one question should be okay how did you measure that are the measurements accurate right like you have to ask that question that's very important because if you didn't measure correctly then your claims are garbage no one should listen to anything you say right like am i crazy for suggesting that <laughs> I'm not. I don't think so. So then, of course, you got to go to the methods section to find out what they've got, what they did. And then when you go there, you quickly find out that there's no actual standard way of measuring titanium dioxide on, on these masks. So they had to improvise and do a whole bunch of stuff to these masks that I don't know what that stuff does to it. Sorry, I had to stop there because of the car. But yeah, like all the stuff that they do to these face masks like here let me see if i can find something to give you an example okay here it is when the masks contain both woven and non-woven textile layer layers the layers were digested separately when the masks contain non-woven textile layers only making their separation difficult the entire mask was homogenized two digestion methods were applied depending on the material and then it goes on to describe what the methods were quite crazy like let's see they were digested in a four to one uh, mixture of nitric acid and sulfuric acid at 220 degrees Celsius in a microwave. And this was a, a method adapted for polyethylene tetra 
phthalate digestion. So who knows if that's the right way to digest, like, and what, what, like, is that the right way to digest it? And what impact does that have on the titanium dioxide particles that are, or nanoparticles that are part of the mask? Like, because that sounds like some heavy, like, processing and decomposing. How do you know that the measurement you're getting from all that then actually is truly representative of what's truly going on? And then one thing that's really uh, kind of demonstrative of that is that they say the titanium concentrations were, because they're, they're actually just measuring titanium, but what they care about is titanium dioxide. So then what they have to do is they have to estimate the titanium dioxide from the titanium measurement. And so then they say that titanium concentrations were recalculated to titanium dioxide concentrations simply by multiplying them with a factor of 1.668, which is calculated as the ratio of molecular mass of titanium dioxide to titanium itself. Therefore, they're assuming that all titanium is present as titanium dioxide. Well, that's a huge fucking assumption. That's a huge assumption. There is nowhere anywhere in the in the abstract telling or in the, at any point telling people that they're making such an assumption. And that has a huge impact on the whole like result and the conclusions you can make, right? And of course it's in the in the method section at the very end, because they don't even put the method section like after the introduction anymore. They put it after the results and conclusions. Because who wants to read that? <laughs> Anyways, there's... Yeah, was, uh, I don't know. I, I can't understand all of this because, like, this isn't my area of expertise. But when you go to the methods, methods section, you can really see what some of the things that they're doing if they are really in line with what they're talking about. And a lot of times, they're really not. <laughs> so, enough of that. Enough blabbering gone on for 20 minutes maybe probably a little bit less all right i think i'll just close off today's episode by doing a quick little bitcoin update we're on an all-time high block height just kidding that's an inside joke with bitcoiners because the blocks are constantly new blocks are being added every 10 minutes so every 10 minutes there's a new block added to the blockchain and each block has a number and each number is just like the new highest number so every 10 minutes there's a new all-time high in block numbers it's an inside joke with <laughs> bitcoiners i guess not really an inside joke just a joke um but yeah not a, an all-time high with regards to price let's put it that way <laughs> one bitcoin is trading at 19,955 us dollars um did touch down to 19.8 in the last 24 hours um, down from the all-time high of 69,000. So, you know, my opinion on that means it's quite cheap to buy. And so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that's what I recommend others to do. And I just, I guess, wanted to talk about maybe, um, maybe some of the panic that people might feel from, you know, buying something that was at some point, you know, $68,000 and now it's down to 20 or under 20. But yeah, why do I have so much conviction in it even though the price has fallen so much? Well, because of what I just 
partly read with, from Bank of Canada, like the kind of crazy stuff they're spouting off. But also because when I've studied Bitcoin, I've understood that there's a mechanical way, programmatically, that this digital protocol ensures that there is an absolute scarcity in the total number of Bitcoin. And that's very important because that way I can ensure I can save the work with I can save the money for the work that I do. Because that because that money represents time that I that I can get by using it, right? Like it's time that I can get by spending it on like whatever restaurants that I don't have to make dinner myself. I can have a pleasant experience with my family paying for a meal, for example, just a basic example. Like and if the currency is being devalued constantly, that time is being stolen away from me and I don't want that. So that's one example. I forget where I was going with this. Hold on a second. Okay, I remember. And like I said, through my study, I've, I've realized that there's an absolute scarcity in the total number of Bitcoin. And there's a, an increase in adoption in the number of people using it. So just by simple deduction, you can see that the adoption of Bitcoin is similar to the adoption of the internet, if not faster. More and more people are learning and using it uh, at a faster rate than the internet was. And you can remember how in the, from like the mid to late 90s to early 2000s, how the ex internet exploded. And now like the most you know valuable companies in the world are internet companies, right? So I think you can see how the adoption curve could just explode in front of our eyes without us realizing it. And if that's the case, then the price just absolutely has to go up just because more and more people are part participating in the economy and they're storing their wealth in it. And so that's why I have the conviction and I have it through like all the different regions of the world participating in this economy, like Africa, like people don't talk enough about Africa, how like all the different countries there, how oppressed they are and how this is exactly what they need in order to overcome that op oppression and start getting true value for the resources that that large continent has, both in the people and in the natural resources, right? And so once the people there the, are awakened in large numbers and are able to store wealth, their wealth through this uh, you know, global financial network, then then watch out. <laughs> it's game over. Well, not game over, but it's <laughs> hard to put into words what it, what it all means. But definitely one way to look at it is that the price of one Bitcoin will continue to go up. So, but that, you know, takes a long time. And again, the price is not the reason why I got into it. It's because of all the other aspects that the censorship resistance, the openness, the permissionlessness, all of that good stuff that would allow nations that are oppressed now to rise up against their oppressors. But yeah, all of that doesn't mean that you can't participate in it and enjoy the, uh, the investment aspect of it where you can increase your wealth by the fact that more people are uh, participating in, in the network, therefore the value of it increases. There's nothing wrong with that. It does, it does take time. And the best strategy is to just dollar cost average in. Little amounts, frequently, 
well, not frequently, at a, at a predetermined frequency that you decide ahead of time. Generally speaking, that's been the best strategy is to dollar cost average in, hold for long periods of time, at least like three or four years to see maximum benefits. I think that's it. I think I've come to the end of this week's episode. I've walked enough and talked enough and it's time for a break. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you to everyone who's reviewed the podcast, either on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts, or who shared any episodes with any of your friends or family members. Appreciate all that. And as always, stay active, be grateful. J-Mart out.